0: Hey, everyone. This is episode eight of the Uncivilized podcast. We have the folks from Warzone Distro back again to help settle, settle a little bit of drama that happened recently. Art is also here with us as well. I'll kind of let Art pick up right away and explain what's going on.
1: Yeah, so on Aragorn's podcast called The Brilliant, a few episodes ago, they discussed uh, revisiting anarchist nihilism, which is episode 100. And for the first couple of minutes, you know, it's him and his guest, uh, the name escapes me, but they're talking about, you know, the history, sort of the idea of early, ni- early nihilism, the sort of nihilism of Europe, and then what you can call like contemporary American nihilism. I was like, all right, this sounds good. You know, for the first couple of minutes, they talked about the history of the, the sort of insurrectionary, indiscriminate attacks of Russian nihilism. And then I think they touched on the conspiracy cells of fire for a bit. And then they started mentioning you know you know american nihilism and they touched on they said i went to this book fair and i've known that i've known kind of the drama that came around and i was like uh oh is he is he finna do it he finna do it <laughs> and then i heard the name you know green anarchist book fair and i was like oh or the green scare book fair or whatever and i was like oh shit and he starts saying you know fake nihilists uh oodles and he just start fucking starting all this shit i was like whoa and he starts saying you know I didn't even have a table. I had to sit on the couch and people were, you know, insulting me and people fucked with my car. And I was like, you're seeing a lot of shit, but well, I don't know how much, you know, you could tell by the way he was producing the story that he wasn't trying to be honest about it. He was very much trying to just start shit. So that's why we're bringing Warzone back on just, you know, about two episodes since we've had them on, you know, kind of maybe give him a platform to speak out and make sure that only you know, both sides of the story are being talked about, so.
2: Aragorn, LBC. I discovered LBC a while ago, um, quite a few years back, actually. I was trying to find um, the source of a vegan straight-edge anarchizine that I had found called Out from the Shadows. And at the time, it was a really powerful piece to me because... Um, It covered vegan straight edge green anarchy all in one zine and had a little bit of punk and hardcore in it Um, had more of like a direct action kind of feel to it. So I was able to find out that there was one distro, you know, on the entire fucking internet that had this zine and it was little black cart and they had it for sale. Now it being for sale was kind of weird to me because Uh, My experience with zines was that zines, the zines that I always distributed were always, I just never wanted to take anyone's money in exchange for zines, but whatever, you know, they had it for sale. Um, So I ended up buying a copy and, um, and then, yeah, I, I was really happy with that. Uh, How I met Aragorn, I honestly don't remember. Um probably something to do with anarchist news. Um, but apparently when, uh, during Green Scare, I saw Aragorn here and I went up and introduced myself. And...
3: Well, it was a bit before that, I invited them.
2: here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to get to that. Okay, um, And apparently we have already met somewhere. You know, according to Aragorn, Aragorn said, We've already met. I don't remember where the hell we met, but whatever. My memory isn't the greatest. Um, as far as uh inviting them to Green Scare, so uh yeah, we wanted they were actually the first tablers that we invited to Green Scare Anarchist Book Fair. They were the first ones that I sent a uh sent a message to. Part of the reason is because they have a lot of really good material on individualist, nihilist, Anarchist stuff. Um, also, because I had read um, a few things online of them getting banned, uh, there was like rumors that people like flipped their table over and sh- and much of it had to do with really just ridiculous shit, leftism, identity politics, and things like that. And so I felt like you know what, Scare Anarchist Book Fair would be the best place for this, you know uh zine project this book project to table and so i invited them and um i talked to somebody i don't remember their name um but i was just like yeah you know like you're invited this isn't hate mail you're actually invited to come out have a good time and um they're really excited about it and they never got back to us they never confirmed with us when uh you know like if they were going to be coming in early or anything like that they never confirmed that they were actually tabling um and i tried to send them messages you know like hey you know like i kind of need to know if y'all are tabling or not because we're starting to run out of tables cuz this isn't a huge you know place this is you know pretty pretty small place compared to where a lot of uh, book fairs happen um Eventually, we ran out of space. We didn't have any more time. And I tried to send a message to them to let them know, hey, it looks like, you know, uh, we're pretty low on space. Maybe come out next year. Maybe even have something out there, you know. And I don't remember if they ever responded. Um, So when the green scare, you know, the day that that happened, they were just there. And I was like, okay, cool. Maybe you didn't see my email, whatever. But that's why they didn't have a table, and that's why they were set up from a couch with the stuff on the floor. Same thing with a couple other distros, too. Unfortunately, uh, we just didn't have actual tables. And then at the last minute, a few distros dropped out. So we had extra space, but we didn't have extra tables.
3: And yeah. to be clear, like, it was not a problem at all that they were there um, and that the other distros were there. You know, if they were comfortable, you know, uh, <laughs> tabling from the floor. Uh, it, yeah, it, it wasn't a big deal that they were they were there.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, nobody, like, Aragorn didn't come up and express that he was upset that he had to table on the floor. He didn't ask for any sort of accommodations to be made. I would have happily you know, accommodated him in one way or another. I was actually really excited to see him, um, but I was very busy um, with a lot of different things going on during that event, um, so I didn't really get a chance to talk to him too much.
0: Yeah, so where are all these sort of, like, uh, accusations or what is the story of, like, Aragorn's car getting fucked with? Like, what happened there?
3: That's, I mean, that's kind of a good question because, you know, of course we weren't involved in those things. Um, but, you know, that was set out ahead of time that if you you know, if you have personal issues with something, you deal with that yourself. Um, I'm not going to condone or you know uh condemn how somebody chose to deal with those issues but we weren't involved i don't know who did that oh
0: know? yeah no we're <laughs> not asking you to rat anyone out but were there like uh was there any instances of like like personal hostility going on was there sort of negative energy going around the room at all or did it just seem like it happened out of nowhere
2: i mean to be completely honest I didn't know anything about the car until Aragorn did that uh that podcast. <laughs> that was a brand new thing, and I had actually um been talking with him about the event in general because people you know a couple other tablers had emailed us saying that they thought it was kind of fucked up that it seemed that people were targeting Aragorn and I I really didn't like that. I wanted to address that as quick as possible because some of the rumors involved um, the assumption that we were all in on it. Mm -hmm. And that's not true at all. As a matter of fact, we didn't know most of those people that showed up. Like, yeah, there was a lot of oogles there, but like,
3: A lot of people made friends while they were there,
2: but yeah, you know, a lot of people made friends, made connections and things like that. So I had no idea, first of all, that the car got fucked with. And second of all, I have no idea who had issue with Aragorn because like I said, my interaction with them was just fine. And then I got busy and I was out of the room, but you know, the dangerous space policy that we have in place for this event is that if, if issues occur between people, then they get solved between those same people. Nobody came up to us and was like, oh, you need to kick Aragorn out or, oh, there's a TASA here. Like, because everybody knew ahead of time, we're not kicking Aragorn out and we're not, we don't care that a TASA is being tabled here, Mm -hmm. you know? So we just heard about it later on and was just like, okay, yeah, apparently people had issues, but, you know, Aragorn felt, that he was being bullied, that he was being picked on, and that the organizers, everybody was in on it. And I personally uh, messaged him and tried to make it clear that, no, like, the organizers were not in on this. Like, this wasn't a conspiracy against Aragorn. That doesn't make any sense.
3: And because LBC is, you know, a pretty, pretty big name, um, you know, we, we definitely wanted them to feel welcome to come back. Um, and, you know, we tried to offer some solutions for next year, such as, you know, making sure that they had a safe place to put their, uh, their books overnight. And uh, <laughs> even as far as, uh, you know, being willing to pick them up um, and drive them here, you know, from a- another location so that the car wouldn't be available. Um, I
2: yeah, Aragorn, Aragorn's table, or LBC, wasn't the only one targeted for, like, you know, stuff being taken and stuff. I mean, there was a few different tablers that had nothing to do with LBC that had stuff taken, too. And, you know, obviously, like, yeah, dangerous space policy, you know, everyone handles their own shit, but, like, the least we could do is, like, provide a space for people to keep their stuff overnight, you mm-hmm. know, since we're, that are hosts yeah Uh, yeah definitely
3: yeah that kind of mistake here yeah uh, live
2: and learn yeah live and learn you
0: know you kind of mentioned um people maybe having issue with tabling atasa can you kind of explain that a little bit for people who might not know what atasa
2: is (laughs) (laughs) um okay so i actually haven't read any of the atasa but from what i've been hearing a lot um you know, leftists are saying that it is a publication that gives platform to uh, eco-fascist cells, uh, you know, that carrying out attacks and abroad. Um, and so then obviously the the response to that is, well, don't allow a Tassa to be there. And in some cases, some book fairs didn't allow LBC to table at all mm-hmm. because they published that, you know, that text in the first place. And I, I can only speak for myself with this one. Um, the way that I see Atasa is, you know, to the best of my understanding, these are people that once identified as, you know, animal liberation, earth liberation, anarchist, And they ended up, you know, pushing things a bit farther, um, more in a misanthropic uh, direction. And, you know, there's there's a lot of, like, leftist material that highlights groups of revolutionaries that were, like, inherently transphobic or, you know, misogynist or, like, fucking black nationalism and shit like that. But you know, it's all there as reading material because, to some degree, all of this reading material provides a context to why things are the why things are the way they are, um, including why ITS, you know, these groups do the things they do, why they feel the way they do. I would be interested to see like what led them to the place that they are. But to say that it is providing a platform to um, eco-fascism, and that is going to somehow recruit other eco-fascists, that totally ignores the fact that much of these people are like anti-racist, anti-fascist that, you know, um, are associated. <laughs> uh,
4: happy here. Um, so I, I've actually read Atossa, uh, the first and the second. um and it's just a collect—it's just a collection of, of essays from eco-extremists and bad poetry and uh, weird sex stories for some reason at some point. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. I don't see the problem with it. I, I, I you know, I, everyone has mixed feelings about it, but for mm-hmm. the most part, I don't see a problem with it, and I don't have a problem with it. I didn't take your books.
0: <laughs> right. I, I, I was so you. happy. You were the one that was accused of taking the books, huh? Yeah, oh, that was me.
4: Um, I did hear a
3: couple people expressing, you know, that they were upset that it was being tabled. But my understanding was that most of most of the friction was interpersonal.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's understandable when you get any group of people together, let alone people who express radical or militant views. In some cases, there's always going to be uh, motherfuckers who are just buttonheads for no reason or beef that's been outstanding for years. So mm-hmm. I guess that, that's definitely understandable. Um, I just wanted to say as well that uh, Frago is innocent. Frago
4: did nothing wrong. That wasn't <laughs> me. I not- mean, a picture that was like circulating on Twitter of like someone burning a tassa. I have no idea who that is. Generally no fucking clue. <laughs> um, I will speak on the stealing of the books. It wasn't me. <laughs> I bumped into the person who was doing it as they were doing it. I don't know where this rumor that the Tosses got burned started because I asked them what they did with them and they said they ended up in the dumpster. Another uh thing, that person who actually stole your books has beef with someone else who's coming to the book fair, so there might be a fight. So, Jesus. you know, justice.
3: So what you're saying though is you're an accomplice.
4: I guess I am an accomplice. <laughs> um, no, stop I wasn't incriminating stop them, yourself. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Happy. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I wasn't going to stop someone. That if someone wants to steal and be, you know, that person, I guess do that. I yeah. really wish they would have given me a copy though.
0: I guess yeah. I'm coming just to see this fist fight.
4: Yeah, but yeah, I,
1: talking about talking about the burned Atasa books in the podcast on Brilliant, he says that
4: he it was uploaded to Twitter, a video of it, of the burning yeah that wasn't me i don't know i didn't (laughs) upload it um i don't know the account who uploaded it i don't know those kids i think it was just some other kids who got a hold of an atasa somewhere and then decided to burn it for you know twitter clout um you follow me i think both of you do you know that i am a an edgelord supreme (laughs) and uh i post a lot about atasa and its specifically Uh, we were just talking about it like yesterday
2: yeah, I, I really want to emphasize, you know, to Aragorn or LBC or, you know, anybody that's listening that um as far as the people that were hosting Green Scare Anarchist Book Fair, um, there was no issue with Atasa. Mm-hmm. Like again, made abundantly clear. There was no issue with, with LBC. Yeah. Or with LBC, whatever conflicts happened with Aragorn and LBC had nothing to do with the book fair itself. There was no conspiracy or whatever. Um, and as a matter of fact, um, I, you know, I had a childhood of being bullied. And when I found out that, you know, this had happened to Aragorn and also when, you know, I just kept hearing, you know, from Aragorn in a couple places, you know, that he really had a bad experience. I didn't take that lightly. I didn't think that was, like, something to laugh at or whatever, you know. I, I actually took that seriously, and I still do. I don't want him to feel like, you know, he got invited to this event to get set up to get made fun of. Like, that's that's not cool, you know. That's not what any of this is about um yeah but as far as the individuals that had issues with them i mean that's between them like i said i don't even know who they are i don't know exactly what happened between them you know but yeah yeah would you say then that
1: you know the drama that happened that that's not the it's not like that's the point of the dangerous space policy it's about two, you know, groups or individuals or whatever figuring the drama out between them, but it's not necessarily mean, you know, go fucking bully people or fuck with their property and shit, you know? Like, from my understanding, that's not what the goal of it is. It's more to just, you know, make people confront one another in, in, you know, face-to-face rather than trying to language police or action police as, you know, heads of the book fair. So I feel like, you know, when people hear, oh, well, you know, it's a dangerous space policy, you know, you're just seen you know the effects of your own policy i hope that people don't think that because that just seems reductionist and just fucking ignorant
2: i mean if my my thing personally this is this is something that i speak for myself with um if people want to come to green scare anarchist book fair for the sole purpose of bullying or mocking other people i would encourage the people that are being bullied and mocked to just physically confront them or confront them any way they want. Like, fuck them up. Like straight up. Like that's the whole point. Like nobody has to sit back and take it and think, Oh, well this is a dangerous space. It's not really safe for me. No, the point is to make it dangerous for people like that, make it dangerous for people that, you know, try to dominate or control or fucking, you know, do that to you in the first place, you know? Um, and I mean, it's not even like we're just trying to encourage a full-fledged fight club here. <laughs> we're just trying to fucking have a book fair that you know has the courage to be anarchy without having to impose this this sense of governance governance without calling it governance or this mm-hmm. sense of police without. It you know oh this isn't police this is just uh, mutual aid you know like no we want anarchy here you know
3: yeah I mean I think the mm. the most ideal uh, you know iteration of that would be you know people interacting directly and in good faith rather than through a proxy or authority
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: for sure and so another thing then you know kind of moving on to some other some other stuff Aragorn said is. You know that even the name of your book fair is showing historical ignorance, and he's like, "Why would you name something that helped repress anarchism? You know what I mean, if you want to talk on that a bit, because I know that's something that you thought was a misguided critique.
2: Um, yeah, that yeah, that's uh, I'm confused about that, um, because when I invited all these different tablers, I had sent an email that explained what the origins of that name was. Um, or what it, you know, what they were. Maybe it's possible that I forgot to send that portion to LBC. It's very possible. There was a lot going on and, you know, trying to organize this. But um, no, yeah, Green Scare Anarchist Book Fair. The reason why we decided to come up with that name is that we see in the leftist, you know, circles, a lot of fear of green anarchy, a lot of fear of anti Civ, a lot of fear of like black anarchy. You know, like there's all these accusations, there's always, there's all these like assumptions on like, oh, but what about this? Or you want genocide or there'll be rape everywhere. There's all these like assumptions. And it's like, well, the thing is, if we want anarchy, we have to understand, you know, what that's going to open up like we're not talking about this fucking utopia that's going to you know come around and everyone's going to like live happily ever after no we're talking about permanent conflict and i think that um if people continue to uh go into anarchy with the expectations that it's going to be this um like i said this utopia I, I think it's delusional, and I think it's dangerously naive. Um, so yeah, green scare anarchist book fair. Like this oh. is the book fair that all the scary green anarchists, nihilists, and individualists can come hang out. You know, meet up, connect, whatever. You know. I think,
3: in my mind, anyway, uh, it's also a little too just kind of flouting you know, what it was and. So you're telling me
0: there's no like fully automated luxury gay space anarchism in the dangerous space? I'm very disappointed.
5: <laughs> I'm
4: sorry. Yeah, if no, I they- showed up at the
5: book fair and I saw someone flaunting fully automated gay space communism, it would become a dangerous space. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> me and art me and art
0: will stomp on anyone saying that type shit. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Let me see that shit, bro. Let me see it. <laughs> <laughs> Bring me a can of can
0: We're of throw the pit At your book
5: fair.
4: your <laughs> <laughs> yeah?
0: I mean, I mean, there I definitely understand. Movie. I definitely understand that sort of uh, that sort of sentiment that you guys are trying to express with that, uh, and I definitely agree that in a lot of uh, like baby leftist and baby anarchist circles, these ideas of anarchism and communism are are sort of these like wild dreams of everyone living happily ever after. And uh, all notions of radical identity are gone. And we're all just sitting hand in hand and sitting in the woods and enjoying ourselves. Like, do, do you think that these people actually believe that shit or are they just forcing themselves to, uh, to believe that's what it is?
2: Uh, I, I can only speak for myself and my own personal experience. Um, When I used to be an anarchist communist, I used to believe that um, the people that I would meet in the streets after, you know, a demonstration or protest or whatever, we would all like go to a park, we would all eat food, not bombs would have food, and we would all just kind of hang out and have a really good time. And so my ideas of what an anarchist communist society or world would look like was kind of based around that that kind of model but I mean obviously it's easier now looking back to see how that model was very much just kind of a like yeah we're all like strangers we don't know each other so we're gonna be nice to each other but we don't Mm -hmm. actually live together we're not actually like living in the world this is a temporary kind of thing.
3: I think there's a deep desire to believe it and that can be really hard to separate from
2: Yeah. And I mean, speaking of, speaking of nihilism, I mean, you know, I'm not an academic when it comes to nihilism. I haven't read a whole lot on nihilism, but a part of what nihilism means to me is just recognizing that um, the idea of having a utopian society, or even a society at all, is just, you know, it's a, uh, it's a fantasy you know, and the sooner one accepts that that's a fantasy and starts to kind of like understand how complex life is, how complex, you know, the world really is, I think a lot of the uh, conditioning of, you know, morality and, you know, fantasy utopias start to get shed a
5: little Yeah. And you know, with within the podcast again referencing Eridorn's, um, he talks about it. He says that you guys are fake anarchists. Uh, I, he might have used a term like Twitter nihilist, or he said fake nihilist. Excuse me. So like Twitter nihilist or e-nihilist or something like that because you didn't hold up to the the rational scientific ideology of Russian nihilism, or you know something to that extent. I don't want to quote him specifically, but or attribute anything, but that was sort of the sentiment he was going for. And like you said, that you're not, you know, you're not upholding some sort of academic understanding, but just more of a, the concept of negation as a process, rather than some, the, the creation of a society that, you know, anarchists like anarcho-communists wish to do, you know, is that sort of what you're getting at then?
2: Yeah. um, I mean, I would encourage anybody that has the time and the desire uh, to read my writing about nihilism because I I express my nihilism through my experiences interacting with, you know, all types of people and interacting in the world, you know, having fun, doing a lot of different activities and stuff like that. Um, it's not like... I am trying to fit some sort of like nihilist identity or role or anything like that. I just feel like it was a natural conclusion that I arrived at. And I think that anybody that reads my writing can see, based on my experiences with leftism, how I arrived at that conclusion, and how that is something that tends to be associated with nihilism. You know, whether it is nihilism or not, it doesn't really matter to me you know, labels are just fucking labels and words and so on and so forth. Um, yeah. yeah. I think experience yeah. and action define better than academia.
5: Yeah. And that was an issue I had, is that he was sort of making this appeal that, because, you know, I've read almost, I'd say almost all of your writing, I haven't seen you or Happy or anyone from Warzone say we are like the Russian nihilists. So I thought that was a weird point to make. Because I don't think he extended the same critique to the European nihilists. I'm not quite sure why that is. Or, you know, maybe it's because of a personal bias that, yeah, you know, whatever it is. I, it's just weird because I've never heard any of you claim that, you know, your lineage comes from that. I think we can all appreciate what the, to an extent, what the Russian nihilists were doing because it was fucking cool. They killed the fucking Tsar. Yeah. You know, they, they did some cool shit, right? That has yeah. influenced yeah. modern contemporary, and- you know, Individualist mm-hmm. anarchism, you know that can't be denied, but to say that anyone calls himself a Russian nihilist to be taken seriously, especially like in america i i wouldn't I don't think a lot of people do that, and I know that you guys don't do that
3: mm-hmm. i I mean I'm making some assumptions here, but I think that you know, like calling us fake nihilists or you know whatever it was um kind of hints at the same kind of elitism that like saying it was a bunch of oogles at the uh at the book fair it does you know it's it's just kind of a way of dismissing
5: us yeah i got that as well that it was sort of offhand before any discussion can start i'm going to disqualify them as people and their ideas by saying mm-hmm. you know oogles you know twitter anarchists fake nihilists you know before the discussion <laughs> can even begin so I definitely is
3: the, the only one here who has a Twitter. So
2: I don't, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't have it's just Twitter. Me. <laughs> the only thing that I have is, is Facebook. I don't fuck <laughs> around with any other uh, social media platform. I wanted to throw something in uh, really, really quick too, about the Google thing, because I read, I actually read, uh, I don't think it was a report back, but I read something that was uh, somebody's experience in response to green scare. And, I mean, they were just taking a big shit on Oogles. <laughs> um, so I, I, I'm i not familiar with, like, Oogle culture myself because I've been pretty damn domesticated um, mm-hmm. up until fairly recently when I started train hopping. Um, and, yeah, that's eventually what I want to do full-time is train hop and travel around and adventure and just kind of, like, live anarchy. But the thing is, people talking shit on oogles and I can't I can't say oogles as in like one monolithic mass. They're all different individuals with different experiences. The Oogles that I've met, or at least the self-identified Oogles or whatever, are actually pretty nihilist in practice. You know, if not individualist anarchists without feeling the need to like self-identify as nihilist. I mean they live the life of, you know, above the law you know, fucking doing a lot of really inspirational things, you don't see their communiques, you don't see their essays, you don't see their texts, because they're busy actually turning life into anarchy rather than sitting behind an illuminated screen debating people on, you know, Twitter or Facebook or Tumblr or whatever, you know, and I feel like like the way that people perceive Oogles, I feel like it's just kind of, it's almost like a weird classist yeah kind of thing you know because it's Definitely. like oh you're just a dirty crusty punk you know like you're just a dropout and it's like but who does that sound like saying that though that sounds mm-hmm. like every other normie that wage slaves and fucking hates their life you know like the Oogle life is not that bad it's actually pretty fucking liberating in my opinion something yeah.
3: out was a little for academics any day
2: yeah also yeah, i don't I wonder how What I wonder is how much of that is
5: is a projection. Like, they're projecting some insecurities about their own domesticated existence, the fact that they hate being wage slaves, but they don't have the nerve to stop, so they take it on people that have. You know what I mean? I wonder how much of it is that, especially in anarchist circles or radical Mm. circles.
4: Yeah, I also don't think there was that many Oogles to it to be like, that was the majority of the crowd. I was, like, riding trains around, like, Utah, well, I was in California, and then I went to Utah, and then I took a Greyhound to Portland to meet up with uh, this distro that doesn't exist anymore called Burning Bridges, and those kids are Oogles. Um, they were Oogles of the Year last year, actually. They got that trophy. Um, um, but anyways, oh I met up with those kids, and that was like four people, maybe three. I think it was three and a dog, and then we got to Minneapolis, and we ran into some other Oogles I know. And that was, like, three more. And that was all the Oogles, pretty much. Uh, and then everyone else was just people who, like, you know, were here for the book fair. Anyone else? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what. Yeah, it was just really weird um, where hear him talk that we all knew each other. Um, the, the Another thing with that was is a lot of us came for the book fair, like, a week before the book fair started. So we got to know each mm-hmm. other it wasn't like yeah. we
1: knew each other right from the get-go yeah because that was something that he said it's that he felt you know he sort of felt on the outside that it was sort of the purpose of the book fair was more of a buddy buddy inside sort of thing that you had to be in the know to really be a part of it but it's weird because it's like i've i never got that impression maybe you know because i wasn't there you know you know i don't want to speak from his perspective but i can sort of yeah, maybe I mean- see where he was coming from but it's at the same time just because you felt that way doesn't mean that's how everyone else felt.
3: Yeah, I think maybe some of that was self-inflicted, which, you know, I mean, I understand, uh, you know, having difficulty, like, just, you know, joining into conversations and things like that. But I think a lot of people there just, they they made the effort to to make friends and, and you know, interact with others. And maybe that's why he felt that way is that.
1: Shit, I feel that way. I'm not. I'm not a social butterfly. If I ever went there, I would talk to like Happy because that's the only person I really
2: know. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. Oh, like, I. I mean, a part of me, a part of me feels like maybe I should have. Well, yeah, definitely. Um, feel like I should have interacted with him a little bit more, um, because I actually didn't get to see all of his uh, material. Again, Mm -hmm. I was really busy dealing with quite a few different things at the time. Um, I only really got a chance to, like, check out some tables at a time. Um, But, yeah, it would have been nice to talk to him about, you know, I don't know, whatever the fuck, really, Mm -hmm. the material that he had and stuff. I do remember him wanting to do some sort of uh, interview um, I think maybe for his podcast or something. And I suggested finding somebody else that was down to do it because at the time, again, I was going through quite a bit. I just didn't feel like I had the social energy to do it. Um, and then he wanted to do it at like 10 o'clock. I know that he complained that people were still sleeping in and yeah, that's true. Some people were sleeping in still, but this, this event, you know, uh, Sorry to upset him or anybody else. This event was not tightly organized.
3: Yeah, it I think w- that was something he struggled with, you know, in comparison to a lot of book fairs. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty relaxed and, you know, uh, <laughs> self-driven, say.
2: Yeah, I was gonna, yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Self-driven, I think would be a really accurate way to describe last year's book fair, because people just helped themselves people wanted something to drink. They went downstairs in the kitchen, got something to drink. If they want something to eat, we had so many people go out and dumpster dive so much shit. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of yeah a lot of food was stolen from grocery stores enabled, you know, in order (laughs) to like, you know, make sure everybody had food. And it, you know, we we had a lot of food and people seemed to have a great time. Like it it seemed as if everybody all knew each other and was like already part of this thing, but that's only because people, you know, people had such a good time with it. Mm-hmm. I think honestly, for the most part, and that's why you know when I heard that Aragorn had such a such a bad time, I was like, damn, dude, like you're fucking, you had a bad time. Your LBC, you had all these amazing zines. That's mm-hmm. terrible news. I'm sorry to hear that. You know that happened. So you know, for the record, we invite him back out here if he's willing to, you know, I can understand if he's a little bit hesitant, you know, trust issues with, you know, what happened last year, but. um,
3: And as I said before, you know, we, I mean, to him and anyone else, if there are, um, you know, if there are things they need to, you know, feel comfortable here, just let us know.
2: Yeah. We invite anybody that came out last year because I mean, the event was better than we could have expected it to be. You know, we're hoping this year's event is, you know, at least the same. Yeah. That's awesome. That was the first uh, try. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: No,
0: no, you're good. I was going to ask if me and Art can come and sit on the ground with a laptop and just play our podcast episodes on repeat. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Last year, some kids, like, there was, like, a speaker set up. Some kids just, like, blared, like, dystopia until someone stood up and went and turned it all the way down. <laughs> I definitely
3: remember hearing just random, like, pop punk at some point. Yeah, <laughs> it was, like,
4: chumbawamba dystopia, and, like, just, like, I don't know, like, My Chemical Romance at some point or some shit. It was, like, it was just chaos. <laughs> You'll have competition then. What, what I was going to say
1: was, you know, it's your first try around. I I know, it's, I think it's sort of... It's sort of weird that people would expect a perfect run, especially in this sort of truly, you know, I don't know how to say anarchic, like you said, self-driven book fair. You know, it wasn't supposed to be an uptight thing. Yeah, there's going to be hiccups yeah. and people are going to be pricks. That's just how it is. So, I mean, that's yeah, your I mean, first try, you know, looking down the road, yeah, what no, else can come out of it, you know?
3: Yeah, not to dismiss, you know, all the hard work that Flowerbomb put into, um, you know, getting you know people signed up for tables and bands scheduled and things like that but you know when it came to the the book fair itself you know it was really down to you know the people that were here and all of everybody you know not to be kumbaya about it but everybody who came here made it a really good time
1: yeah another thing i meant to bring up that that he mentioned is that there, you guys sponsored the idea there would be workshops and he said he didn't see any or that they weren't there, that you had to be in the know for it. Can you touch on that too?
3: Yeah, that was just kind of, uh, I mean, there wasn't workshops scheduled or, you know, publicized by any means. Um, it was, you know, kind of the same as everything else where, you know, a lot of times people just kind of spontaneously decided that they were going to show show people something they knew
4: um it was like you would walk into the kitchen and there'd be like a plastic tupperware just full of cell phones and you knew there was a workshop going on
2: (laughs) yeah i i want to point out that um some workshops were made public to everybody but because there was because this event was also a place for different affinity groups that had not you know connected with each other face to face and who knows how long uh, they use this as a place to meet up and have their own kind of workshops about things like that, Mm -hmm. you know? So some workshops were of an illegal nature and um, those workshops weren't as publicly announced. So yes, some of those workshops did involve people in the know, but if, you know, I don't know, I guess it's contextual to the workshop, you know? Um, Yeah. You know, it, it depends. If you want to, if you want to talk about something, talk to some people, and then have a talk about it. I mean, Gauge the security based on what you're talking about, and go from there.
3: It's also it's a it's a big place, but it's not that big. If you're wandering around, you can kind of figure out what's going on in any given room.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure what else we have to talk about in terms of air going stuff at this point. If you just want to plug your your book fared the dates, and any other information, we can go from there.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, so um, basically, I've been busy um, with the help of Happy um, trying to get bands and uh, tablers together. I have a lot of tablers that I'm still waiting to hear back from. I almost feel like my emails aren't going through or something or there's like some sort of like secret boycott against green scare. I don't know. That's purely a conspiracy theory. I don't have any evidence. blocking your emails. (laughs) But but there's, there's quite a few tablers that have not responded. Um, LBC is one of them, but I think I understand why. Um, But we're waiting to hear back from other tablers um, that showed up last year. Um, I mean obviously we don't have a deadline but it would be cool to know who's all confirmed Mm -hmm. rather soon so that way we can start making flyers for the event and we can really really start promoting it. We haven't really Mm -hmm. been promoting it online that much yet because we're trying to wait till we have confirmation with all the bands and all the tablers. Well Happy's got like six different posters out there
4: so. Yeah I asked a bunch (laughs) of like instagram like meme ted stands like to make different flyers so there's a bunch of variations there's an ITS variation actually
3: <laughs> in case we were trying to convince um, everyone that we weren't fake
4: also uh last year some tablers just showed up like last minute like <laughs> literally did not ask Just showed up and set up a table so do you it. can do that too i guess do it. yeah it's fine yeah. Yo, if, if me and if Brady
1: and I can make it, if I can get out of my uni classes in time and get up there and he doesn't have to be a wage slave, can we get an uncivilized table and we can just like Absolutely. act like a bunch of dumbasses
2: as our usual oh, yes. selves? <laughs> you know, that's another thing that's um, about this event that maybe people don't realize is I forgot that like there's tabling fees for uh, book fairs. I forgot about that. We don't have tabling fees. What we will have is um, a donation jar if people want to donate um, to, like, the bands that are going to be touring or to the, uh, you know, to the house or whatever. We'll have that. But as far as tabler fees, anybody can table um, for free. Um, And, yeah, hopefully we won't get any commies trying to table Yeah. (laughs) No, I'll
0: drive the commies out. It's okay.
4: (laughs) Last year, we also had a a tabler who was tabling, uh, besides zines, they had zines on their table, but they also had crowbars, super glue, firecrackers, (laughs) just like random stuff. And it was all free. So if you want to do that,
3: I'm still finding condoms and lube. Yeah, and that condoms and lube, I
4: forgot about that. (laughs) If you want to just, like, you know, you have a bunch of Roman candles laying around or something, go ahead and bring them.
0: Yeah. Condoms and lube, I'm in.
2: (laughs) We we will also have activities. I personally don't want to go into any of them yet or reveal any of them yet. Um, But we will have some kind of fun exciting activities as well but, uh, for this event
3: but there won't be an itinerary so you got to figure it out
2: <laughs> yeah
3: we're not gonna write it down
2: fair enough, fair enough. i'm excited for these activities
3: <laughs>
0: i think i heard some that may have happened last year and i'm very excited for activities
1: <laughs> yeah
2: yeah um All right. but may it's may 9th and may 10th these are the dates that we figured would be the best, you know, for us to have this event here. Um, same place, obviously. Where is um, it at? Boyceville, Wisconsin. <laughs> okay.
3: Which kind of tells you everything. <laughs> yeah, middle of
2: fucking nowhere. Um, <laughs> it, is, it is still going to be a uh, sober event. Yep. Um,
3: vegan event.
2: Yeah, vegan food will be available for free. Um, If people want to donate for the food, that's fine. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, I
2: think that's all I had to
1: ask and get off my chest if there's anything Brady wanted to talk about. No, I got pretty much everything I needed to know. I'm definitely going to try to make it in. Cool. Cool. Hell
0: yeah. Yeah, so this has been Episode 8 of the Uncivilized Podcast. Thank you so much to the folks of Warzone Distro again for joining us today.